Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Alan Gregerman. Alan is an award-winning innovation consultant, author, teacher, speaker, and community volunteer who is constantly trying to figure out how to unlock the genius in all of us and all the companies and organizations we work for. Welcome, Alan. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I am delighted to be part of the podcast. Well, your work is very intriguing to me. But before we get into that, can you please share whatever you'd like about your background and what you're currently doing with our listeners? Oh, sure. That would be great. Let me start with current, since that's what I'm pretty focused on. And Uh, I do a bunch of things, but primarily I run a strategy and innovation consulting firm. Uh, The core of our work is helping companies, organizations of all different types, and individuals to really unlock the genius in themselves and the world around them in order to grow. So in terms of companies and organizations, we help them figure out how to grow their businesses, how to grow their influence and impact. Uh, In terms of individuals, we help them to figure out how to kind of grow their careers and lives in ways in which they can be as fulfilled and uh, impactful as possible, hopefully doing work that really makes a difference for them and the world around them. Mm, I like it. Tapping into their why, right? Their purpose. I love yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's the that's what I do now. And in terms of the path that I've taken, I've done a wide range of things on the way to being a consultant, even though I've been a consultant for about 30 years now. And so I have been a subway mechanic and a hotel housekeeper. And uh, tied to that, I actually have a PhD. Um so those things make sense, I think. And, <laughs> um, I have kind of run the government programs for a kind of short time in the federal government programs designed to help entrepreneurs grow their businesses in really depressed kind of mostly urban areas. Uh, I've done research. I was a visiting scholar. I think the first visiting scholar in innovation at the Library of Congress um, and, uh, I had once even fantasized about being a college professor, but you know, as I was working on my dissertation, I realized that fantasy was way more than a nightmare. And so <laughs> I decided it was way better to actually go back into the real world that will alienate me from every single academic who might be listening. <laughs> But what the heck, they probably honestly know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah or they're relating very well, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, and consulting is wonderful for me because I have a wide range of customers. I get to be engaged with lots of organizations. I get to learn a lot of different things about lots of industries. And uh, I get to engage with lots of really smart people who are trying to make a difference. Yeah, so it's fun. I love being a consultant. Oh, well, and you get to take time off to amazing homes in other countries. (laughs) Yeah, no, we do have a house in Sweden, a kind of a modest house in Sweden. So I do get to take time off. I mean, the plus of, I think, of being a consultant is you have some flexibility about kind of your life. So I can work incredibly hard for an awful lot of the time, and then I can probably take a bit more time off than most of my friends and colleagues who work in kind of more traditional organizations do. Yeah, so it's fun. 
Yeah, I love it. So now, um, what first? Uh, how we first met is I uh, came across the necessity of strangers, and it's very intriguing to me. So I would love for you to share, in essence, how is our key to success related to strangers? Awesome. No, I appreciate the chance to talk about that. It's been a subject that's been near and dear to my heart for a while. So if you go back for a second to what I do, and so what I do is I help companies and organizations and individuals to be more innovative, to come up with ideas that really matter. And so um, that seems to run counter to what I've discovered to be kind of the way that innovation typically happens in companies and organizations. Typically, um, what happens is when we need to be way more innovative, we try and round up our smartest, most expert people, and we lock them in a room. Actually, we keep the door open, and um, <laughs> we say to them, okay, you know, our backs are to the wall. we got to be way more clever than we've ever been before. Does anybody have an out-of-the-box idea? Now, what's interesting is when we bring all these people together, especially the ones who are most expert, the reality is they've spent an awful lot of time and invested a lot of energy in thinking a certain way. And so the likelihood they're going to be super innovative is not particularly high. Right. Um, And the likelihood that people who are like them, i.e. friends and colleagues together with them are going to be super innovative is not particularly high because we have in organizations, you know, and probably a number of the other folks who've been on your podcast have mentioned something that gets to the notion of the idea of kind of groupthink. Mm-hmm. When we hang out together, the more we think the same. It's not unlike the notion that people look like they're dogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so people think like they're coworkers, okay? Uh-huh. So, yeah, so I think what happens is, and so that's not really a hotbed for innovation. Now, it turns out if I really want to be innovative, I need kind of disparate thoughts and ideas. And um, I also know, in addition to my coworkers not being particularly different than me, Um, I actually know that most of the people who are my friends are an awful lot like me. We tend to gravitate to people who are an awful lot like us. And that's awesome for a lot of reasons. They reinforce the things that are important to us. They offer encouragement. They're always there for us. Friends are fantastic. But friends aren't typically the folks who are going to get us to do dramatically different things. And innovation is about creating a breakthrough, thinking differently, truly kind of approaching a problem in a different way and creating new value that hasn't been there before. So if I really want to think differently, I actually have to hang out with people who think differently. Um, I really kind of need to up my game and I need to create kind of a network or a set of relationships or friendships with people who are really outside what I typically spend my time doing. Um, I like to say, you're only as creative as your weirdest friends. And, um, <laughs> and I like to say that because I want people to think that they really ought to be stretching. If they're a computer scientist, they ought to be connecting with artists. They ought to be connecting with people who drive buses. They ought to be connecting um, with the UPS delivery guy who, uh, or gal who drops off packages. Um, they ought to be talking to people who do very, very different types of things because those folks will give you a very different perspective on things. So what's clear to me in all of my work and what's clearly at the heart of this book, The Necessity of Strangers, is that if I really want to create a breakthrough as opposed to just being incrementally better, I really ought to connect and engage with strangers. Strangers are really the heart of my ability to kind of learn, grow, and stretch. 
So having said that, we run into a challenge, and that is most of us, and it's not just in our society, but certainly in our society, um, have been told to avoid strangers at all costs. <laughs> yeah. Because strangers are dangerous. I even think our buddies, gosh, I wish I remember their name, the wonderful couple that wrote the Berenstein Bears. You know, they even wrote a uh -huh. book about stranger danger. Yeah. Just to make sure that every young parent or older parent with younger kids would be cautious about letting their kids engage with strangers. Um, and so, um, let's be realistic. They're probably like a couple percent of people in the world that you really ought to avoid. Um, but the reality is that most people are awesome. And I can literally learn something new from almost any person I'd connect with here or anywhere around the world if I'm open to doing that. Um, and if they're a bit different than me, they'll know some different things. And if I can take the different things they know and combine it with what I know, I have the chance to create kind of more value and a greater breakthrough. I love that. Now, you know what the next question is? So how, how do you, we have been so ingrained, you know, stranger danger. I remember teaching that to my kids, actually, stranger danger. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> so how do we, um, how do we overcome that? And well, first of all, how do we like talk to that bus driver or that person in line without freaking them out? Yeah, so that's a perfectly reasonable question, because just as you're afraid of strangers, it's reasonable to think that a person who might be in line with you uh, <laughs> is looking at you and go, God, you you are pretty darn weird. I hope I don't have to interact with you. <laughs> or, I have had people look away because I like to smile and make eye contact, and it's like, oh, she's crazy or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, so that's always a possibility. And so I think certainly in our society, and though our society is actually more open to strangers than some others Certainly. But so yeah. how do you do it? So let's think about the fact that the world is filled with strangers and some of them we might meet just by bumping into them through serendipity and others we might meet because we make a conscious effort to be truly curious about what they learn and what they do. So let's talk about the two different buckets. And so let me first go to the bucket that really is about our openness to finding people who know some things, thinking about things, doing some things that intrigue us because we believe that by learning what they know, we can have more impact or make a bigger difference in the world around us. Um, the internet actually enables us absolutely to kind of change the equation. I can literally find out about people who are doing remarkable things, whether it's in kind of um, my civic life or my business life, um, and I can do a little bit of homework on them to discover why I believe their ideas are particularly relevant. I then have the ability to reach out, send them a note, um, and tell them that I'm intrigued by what they do, but not just leave it at that, but give them some specific reasons why something I've learned about them I think is particularly intriguing, helpful, valuable to me doing something that's worth doing. Um, and by doing that, I actually start to create a legitimate connection. My experience over the years is if I try and engage with people in a substantive way, doing a bit of homework, understanding what they do, and then actually reaching out to them, about 75% of people actually respond back to me and start a connection or communication around their ideas and the chance to share ideas and think in ways about how what they know could be important. Um, so that's that's one way. That's a pretty easy way for folks because initially I don't have to kind of have the discomfort 
of just bumping into an actual person and trying to talk to them. And especially if I'm a bit more introverted, I would really find it difficult if someone like Alan Gregerman said, God, just go out and start talking to people. I'd go, (laughs) I can never do that. But um, to send an email to somebody that I have a chance to kind of frame and think through, think through their ideas and then communicate with them, I don't think is impossible for most people. And then I think as people start to respond, we're able to start to build some rapport and connections. So I literally have access to anybody in the world. One of the advantages, I think, of having written a number of books is I get a fair number of emails from people around the world, uh, all different walks of life, trying to accomplish all different types of things, believing maybe that something that I know um, could be helpful to them in their work. Um, As long as they in a note show that they've actually taken a few minutes to actually think about or kind of read something I've written or think about what I've done or understand a little bit about what I'm trying to accomplish in terms of making the world kind of more open to innovation and people connecting, um, I'll respond to every note I get. Uh, And I'll begin a dialogue and actually start learning as much from them, maybe even more than they'll ever learn from me. So that's one way to think about it. The other way is the horrifying way. And so now (laughs) you're in line uh, at your favorite movie theater or at the Motor Vehicle Administration, where you get to definitely be in line. I'm sure I <laughs> say that in all 50 states. Um, or at one of your kids' soccer games or at a networking thing that you absolutely dread being at, but somebody told you you got to network to enhance and build your career. Mm-hmm. And you say to yourself, oh, crap. Can I use that? That's like a French term. Of said, course. Oh, crap. God, I hate being here. Let me see if I can hang out at the bar for a while. Let me mill around. Let me see what the food options are here or whatever the case is. Um, The reality is that most people are in the same predicament as you. Um, Most people aren't comfortable talking to strangers in any of those situations, uh, but most people don't like to be in lines or most people don't like to go to networking events. Uh, Most people go to conferences and hope they can just sit there in obscurity, take notes, and maybe (laughs) at home. Um, So my view is whether you're introverted or extroverted, uh, as hard as it might be at an appropriate time, you sit next to somebody, you stand behind them, you figure out what's an appropriate question that might engage someone. Um, So I'm waiting in line for a movie. Uh, and because I do like to talk to people, even though I'm actually relatively introverted, but I actually like to talk to people because it's the only way I learn new things, uh, other than reading a book, which is relatively boring or listening to a podcast. So, (laughs) so have you ever been to another movie by this director? Uh, most people won't say, shut the blank up to me. (laughs) I didn't ask you to talk to me. Most people will say either, yes, um, I'm kind of intrigued by this Wes Anderson or whoever, or most people will say, well, not actually, but I was quite curious. I read a review about it and I would say, yeah, I'm kind of keen on it too. What have you heard about it without giving away the punchline here? At a conference, I sit next to people and I say, so what brings you here? Not an impossible question, not threatening, doesn't make anybody think I'm an axe murderer. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then I find out the key, I think, to connecting with strangers is to have it initially be all about them. You know? Yes. Your oh, yeah. interest in learning about them, what motivates them, why they're there, what they're hoping to learn about. 
and then getting into discovering how they might take that learning and do something with it starts to build a connection. Now, why is this important? I honestly believe that each day, unless we live in a really remote place, um, we pass 100 people uh, who could change our lives, but we never take the time to talk to them. Yeah. Imagine that you would be walking down the street in New York, Chicago, Washington, Boston, Baltimore, Denver, pick a city, uh, London, Paris, Tokyo, anywhere you'd like to go. Um, and you could stop the frame at any moment, just pause and look around. You'd notice all these people going from point A to point B, generally not connecting with each other. And yet I can imagine just as each of your listeners might think that in some way they know something or in some way they might be interesting and intriguing, each and every one of those people is intriguing too. There probably isn't a person on the planet I couldn't learn something significant from, whether it's a corporate CEO or a homeless person uh, who sadly I pass lots of homeless people uh, living in Washington, D.C., um, I already know I could learn a ton from homeless people about stuff I don't know because they know an awful lot more about what it takes to survive in very difficult circumstances than I do. Uh, and so the simple notion of what I could be smarter about from people who have to figure out how to get by would be a valuable thing for me to know. What might they be interested in knowing from me, either than the fact that maybe I'll hopefully give them some money or buy them a meal is maybe just maybe I might be willing to sit down, listen to them without saying anything and then figure out if somebody I know might be a connection that could help them get to a different place. But so anyone I pass, I have the potential to learn something from. And if I believe that, and I believe I've just got kind of one kind of period in life, one life, to actually get as smart as I can, then I'm eager to make that happen. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So now a couple of questions come up on that. So especially like on the internet, you know how we tend to gravitate towards people similar to us, people that we like, the, you know, the likability stuff. Um, what is some sort of internal check we can do to make sure that we are getting that diversity, that diversity of thought, essentially, to make sure that we're not gravitating towards that natural inclination. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair I think that's a a fair question. I think we just have to challenge ourselves to be open-minded about the places where we get information and the types of topics that we're open to learning about. So okay. I do a few odd things. Uh, well, no, my wife and our kids would say I do a fair number of odd <laughs> things. Um, but one of the things that I do is I try each year to go to two conferences that are on topics I know absolutely nothing about. Oh, uh, Topics that actually seem interesting to me, but, you know, left to my own devices or what makes the most sense for kind of my personal life or business, uh, topics that seem kind of far afield. Um, I do that because that's going to stretch my thinking and get a sense of how people in other disciplines and walks of life think about things. Now, I ought to make them things that I at least can roughly understand. So probably I wouldn't want to go to the most technical of meetings on neuroscience, but I'm certainly <laughs> curious about going to meetings in which I can learn things about neuroscience that are accessible that I don't know about. Um, but I've gone to meetings um, of the appliance manufacturers simply because I kind of use appliances in life and I'm kind of intrigued and, uh, 
was wondering if there were any kind of breakthroughs uh, in the world of appliances. Huh. Uh, and it turns out to be reasonably intriguing. So certainly you want to hang out in places you wouldn't normally hang out in. I go into stores that really I'm not the target customer just to try and figure out what's going on there, what makes them click, who are they trying to kind of reach. Increasingly, they're trying to reach millennials. I'm trying really hard, you know, to continue to be hip. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of am eager to figure out what's their business model. How do they do things? What's the future of business look like for a whole new group of customers? Similarly, I read stuff that I typically would not read if I was doggedly focused on just what I think of as my swim lane. Now, imagine I used to do this before the Internet was the only way or the biggest way people got information. And so yeah. I'd go into our customers and I'd say, just out of curiosity, would you mind if I looked in your inbox? And they'd say, excuse me? And I'd say, (laughs) just kind of eager. It gets to the question you asked. I'm just kind of eager to know what you read. And they'd say, "Uh, yeah. I'd say, and if you think there's anything personal in there, you know, or company confidential, please take it out. But I'd like to see what you read. And invariably, what would happen is um, if they were a government contractor, um, they'd have an awful lot of publications related to being a government contractor. If they were in the hospitality business, and I do a lot of work in hospitality, they'd have a lot of stuff about hospitality. If they were in healthcare, I do a lot of work in that. Um, they'd have a lot of stuff about healthcare and all the different industries that I've had the privilege of working in. Then the other things they'd have are depending on their field. If they were in human resources or marketing and sales or IT or a lawyer or general management, they'd have a lot of stuff about doing that. In essence, what they'd have is stuff that reinforces their ability to do their job the way they've done it um, in the industry that they operate in. And I'd say, you know, this is kind of lame. I think, you know, <laughs> um, if, in fact, we could prove that you're in an industry in which you guys are way more brilliant than in any other industry, then you'd be lucky to get all this crap. Um, but if, in fact, your industry is relatively mediocre at a bunch of these things. Wouldn't you be better off learning about other industries? So there's simple ways for your listeners to do that. There's a bunch of magazines out there that help them to think about what's the cutting edge of thinking. So I think about magazines like Fast Company, um, which every issue has lots of different industries and lots of different ideas. Wired is an awesome magazine. I like popular science. I like magazines about science and nature. I love hospitality magazines because they're all about our ability to kind of aspire and travel and think about a world filled with possibilities. Um, So I challenge people to find, and all of these magazines also have websites and blogs and other ways to get information, depending on how your readers like to get information or your listeners like to get information. So I would just say, just start being more eclectic, read all kinds of different things. Um, Be open to the possibility that the broader you cast your net in terms of reading, the fresher will be the set of ideas that you can bring back to thinking about the things that matter most to you. And um, that's another way to connect with strangers because oftentimes you'll do that, learn about somebody, and then have like a burning desire to get smarter about them and maybe even want to connect with them. Um, And that's an easy way to connect with a stranger. Oh, yeah. Get curious, essentially, right? And and get out of your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stretch yourself you're, you're, a little bit. So you're on to what is fundamentally, and I hope most of your listeners, because I mean, you're really trying to help people in your podcast to really kind of reach their full potential. I hope they understand my bias is very, very simple. 
there are two fundamental things that people need to do to truly live the kind of most impactful and remarkable and fulfilling lives they can. The first is be curious and open-minded. Um, you know, the more curious you are about things around you, just like you used to be when you were a small kid, um, the more likely you are to make a difference, to kind of connect dots and make a difference. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, and hopefully, I mean, your listeners ought to understand this, is the world is changing so fast that if we don't commit to constantly learning new things, we just can't, we can't remain relevant. Uh, We can't, compete and we can't really make a difference. Right. Yeah. I like that. Um, curious and open-minded. That sounds like potentially the topic of, uh, was it your first book lessons from the sandbox? Yeah. So I, so I've got like three books that are kind of out there in a place where people can get them. IE, I guess, amazon.com, the ultimate kind of 800 pound gorilla. I mean, I <laughs> if you went to a bookstore near you, you know, and hopefully they would have my books. And if not, they would get them for you uh, since I love bookstores. But yeah, so my first book, I'm, I actually wrote a book for kind of Congress when I was at the Library of Congress, but that one you'd have to request somewhere else. But my first book that came out in kind of in general for the general public was Lessons from the Sandbox. And it's an awesome book. I believe for any of your kind of listeners who um, have young kids uh, are thinking about kind of the kind of magic of childhood or are wrestling with the challenges of, of having young kids or any of your listeners who've ever been a child. Um, <laughs> so everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So from the Sandbox was really a book about kind of all these kind of gifts we had as kids um, that we somehow lose as adults. Um, the ability to be kind of curious, the ability to have a sense of wonder, the ability to create games and play, um, the ability to really kind of be open-minded, the ability to kind of get cozy when we're kind of needing to feel support, Um, all different types of things that were really the heart of childhood that are actually vital to our success as adults and organizations. So that was really the first book that I wrote. And it was really about trying to create this context or mindset because as kids, we were incredibly creative. And as adults, we've lost the knack. That's why I say somewhere between the sandbox and the world of adult work, 90% of us lose the knack for these natural gifts of creativity and curiosity that we had as kids. So then it struck me in the second book I wrote, which was called Surrounded by Geniuses, um, that ideas and inspiration come from absolutely everywhere. And yet most of us limit ourselves to just kind of the narrow kind of part of the world that we're most comfortable in. But if we were open to ideas that come from other industries, people in other cultures, nature, science, science fiction, uh, popular culture, um, we could be way more successful because there are all these ideas hovering around us that challenge us to think in new ways. And those ideas can be as simple as, I once had a customer who was struggling to provide great customer service and frustrated by some of the behaviors of their people. Um, what I did for a day was I actually took them to a zoo um, and I asked all of their team members to wander around the zoo making notes about animal behavior. First, they said, God, this is like the weirdest thing. We actually have to start <laughs> doing this. And I said, well, you know, just go with the flow here. Um, and what happened was they all started to notice 
that there were really good and really awkward animal behaviors, and that if we boiled it down, they weren't that much different than how they were behaving in providing customer service in their retail stores. Um, and so we then honed in on the kind of cool customer behaviors, the animals that want to kind of engage with you, the animals that are kind of curious about you, sometimes the animals that like to entertain, like the lemurs. And we started to think about what if we behave this way in our stores? And it started to change the whole equation of at least being able to break down barriers of kind of frustrating behaviors that a lot of people have. I took another customer, um, and I regularly take customers to performances, um, you know, uh, ballets, dance, Cirque du Soleil, opera. I'm not a big fan of opera, but, you know, what the heck? There are people who love opera. More power to them. Um, <laughs> but what I wanted them to think about, it, and we got to, and we go to performances early and we get comfortable, and then I asked them to take notes and pay attention to everything that goes on from the moment Um that you start to sense that the performance is going to happen soon to the way it gets introduced to the actual performance, to the intermission, to how things wind down, to what's the epic kind of climax of a performance, to what happens, you know, when they come out for a curtain call uh, and an encore. And then I said, you know, every business and organization each and every day performs our work is a performance, but we don't think of it that way. And so we miss the opportunity to understand how our performance can captivate the real kind of passions of the folks we have the privilege to serve and all the folks we're trying to engage. And so that to me is kind of what the book kind of uh, Surrounded by Geniuses was about, is just getting out there and seeing all these brilliant things out there that could give us a different approach or framework to being successful in what we do. So that was that. And then the necessity of strangers is really about even going a step kind of further. And that is connecting with actual real people who know some things that we don't know, whose differences could help us to stir the pot in ways that really matter. Um, tied to the necessity of strangers is a simple idea that I'd love all your listeners to think about. Um, I'd hate to say if they only remember one thing from this podcast, they'll remember this. Um, but it's what I call the 99% rule. And the 99% rule is basically the following. Throughout the course of human history, throughout all 7,000 or so cultures that have been on planet Earth since humans have kind of wandered the planet, doing some remarkable things and causing a lot of problems. Um, throughout the course of time, 99% of all new ideas, innovations, have been based on someone else's thinking. So certainly someone came up with the idea of fire, or probably a bunch of people in different places simultaneously. Uh, somebody came up with the idea of the wheel. Uh, somebody came up with the idea of gourmet popcorn. Uh, but the reality is that ideas are based on kind of the brilliance of others or the brilliance of something found in nature and our ability to really kind of connect with others and with those actual things that go on out there um, to be open to strangers and what they bring to us is fundamental to our ability to innovate in the absence of all these other ideas the likelihood we'll come up with brilliant ideas on our own is really really small 
So the folks who are open to ideas, engaging the world around them, talking to new people, finding out what they know, and putting the pieces together are the ones who do remarkable things. And so that's what the necessity of strangers is all about. And it's also what my kind of passion is. I think in addition to helping people and businesses be successful, I absolutely believe, and if we look at the times we live in now, it's even more compellingly true to me. Um, that our ability to be open to connecting with strangers is the only thing that's really going to help us to turn around what is a very stressful, contentious, and difficult kind of situation in our country and the world. Yeah. We tend, as humans, you know, you were talking a little while ago about we tend to gravitate to people who are like us. We also tend to pass judgment on people that we've never met based on how different they are from us as opposed to how similar they are from us. Right. And the reality is we're like 99.789% the same as everybody else on the planet. But we decide that they're from a different culture. They have a different religion. They have a different kind of gender orientation. Um, They uh, have a different kind of job or mindset. They've studied different things. They're a different age than we are. Um, They believe different things. Um, And we pass judgment on them based on their differences as opposed to passing judgment based on the fact that they're very similar to us. If we could understand that we could make a human connection with almost anybody except those 2% I mentioned um, on the planet and base it first on our similarities, then we'd actually be open to wanting to know more about their differences. And I like to say our similarities are what should bring us together, our differences are the raw materials for helping us to do remarkable things together. Hmm. Um, But we've got it all wrong. And so we start with our differences and we never get to similarities, but we pick the wrong differences, not the differences. We pick our perceived differences as opposed to the actual differences that could come together to create synergy and value. Yeah. Wow. Lots of awesome information. Is there... I mean, I don't know if I can even ask for a final piece of advice because you've given so much, but is there something uh, like a final piece of advice you want to leave our listeners with? Well, I think we've kind of covered, so I appreciate all your questions and I think we've kind of covered it. So, but let me try and wrap it up in a little bit of a way. And that is, I'd like people kind of when they listen to this and when they think about their lives, whether it's their personal lives or their work lives, navigating their careers or their civic lives, Um, I'd like them to think about simply this idea that we've been talking about, and that's the power of connecting with people who are different than them as a way to expand their understanding of the world, um, what they know, and their real potential. So I'd love them to think about that. To do that, they have to be curious. They have to be respectful in believing that they can learn something from any other person on the planet. So they have to do that. They have to be open-minded. They have to be eager and willing to kind of learn new things. And then the other thing that I'd love folks to think about tied to this, because this makes it even more powerful and makes kind of, I believe, energizes curiosity, is the notion that I'd love all your listeners to be thinking about being committed to doing things that really matter to them and have a chance to matter to others and kind of make a difference and have real impact in the world around them, whether they're in business or the nonprofit sector or a volunteer. Um, God knows there's huge opportunity around us, but there also are huge challenges. And I think I see the power of curiosity and human connections as ways that we do things um, that truly make our communities and the world that we share much better moving forward. You know, and that underline is kind of my hope for all the work I do. 
Oh, inspiring. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alan. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I uh, love your podcast and I uh, really appreciate the chance to talk with you. If you'd like to learn more about Alan, visit his website at alangregerman.com. That's A-L-A-N-G-R-E-G-E-R-M-A-N.com. Did you know that time is not your most limiting resource? To find out how to increase your productivity and have more time to do the things you love, visit secrettosuperproductivity.com.